this is a data privacy detective. And we're going to look at the meaning behind what happened in November 2022 in the data privacy and security area, what it means for us, for businesses, for countries. Let's start with the largest private settlement in U.S. history involving data privacy and security. Uh, this is a settlement between 40 of the United States and Google. And Google agreed to pay $391 million and a half dollars. Why? Well, because uh, the state attorneys general claimed that uh, Google was collecting user location data, even though users had opted out of being tracked. That sounds egregious, doesn't it? And uh, without a judgment on this, we don't have any court finding of what really happened. But at any rate, Google settled and agreed to make location tracking more transparent on its site going forward, in addition to paying a lot of money. Apple now faces a similar class action in California under California's law and otherwise. And there are independent researchers who have reported recently that Apple's iPhone collects detailed information about where somebody is, geolocation information, even when the person has configured uh, that person's privacy settings with Apple to prevent tracking. So interesting developments. We'll see how Apple faces these allegations at this point. Let's turn to Ireland, a wonderful country, and its Irish data Protection Commission seems to be balancing the Irish budget in part on fines against Meta. And they just fined Meta in November of 2022, 265 million euros, and have required corrective measures. Now, this is a little different. What, what was going on here? Well, the Irish Data Protection Commissioner said that uh, Meta was allowing uh, the scraping from its own systems of 533 million people. And it was therefore violating EU rules in place, law, through GDPR, by violating the obligation to provide design and default for privacy. So you see how this is this is quite different. This isn't a misuse of something or a misleading statement to someone. It's saying device makers, here it's the iPhone, uh, uh, for Apple, it would be for Meta, it's how it operates, has designed a system that isn't based on the primary obligation of designing and creating defaults that are pro-privacy. Uh, trying to uh, require things uh, in advance of someone offering a service to the world. Let's go to the United Kingdom. Now here, the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, reprimanded the UK Department for Education for mishandling the personal information of 28 million children in the United Kingdom. But what happened here? Well, the Department for Education controls a database of how 
kids do in school. Uh, what are their grades? How are they coming along? But of course, that is subject to privacy restrictions to protect uh, information of minors. And the database that's created is made available to uh, educational providers that they, they can access the information and, and make good use of, quite understandable. But what happened, according to the uh, UK Information Commissioner's Office, was that the Department for Education shared this with a third party known as Trustopia, and that led to this information being used to make sure whether somebody applying for online gambling was actually uh, an adult, over 14 years of age at least. Well, that isn't, of course, the original purpose of, of, the, of creating the database. Now, had this been a private company involved, the commissioner said it would be a 10 million pound fine. Here, they reprimanded this part of UK government trying, of course, to force it to change how it handles this. Now, notice what we have going on here, that it would have been okay on this finding to share with Trustopia if Trustopia were using it only for the purpose of a providing information to an educational provider or processing the information, but not to sharing it to online gambling sources, even though that's a good purpose, isn't it, to make sure that the 12-year-old signing up to do online gambling, they can't, they can't do that. But uh, this one brings up the point that it's not enough just to say, oh, you should tell people what you're going to do with things, and maybe you'll get fined if you do things that people don't know about. This is trying to prevent the variability uh, so that you don't even have those uh, misuse claims later on. Interesting development. Now, let's turn to the United States National Security Agency. Uh, in November, uh, it urged all developers to shift to memory-safe languages. Now, we're not talking about forgotten indigenous languages. The, no, we're talking about the computer code language here. And the, uh, the import of this is to shift away from long-time languages that we're used to that are not uh, memory-safe and to upgrade to higher-level uh, memory uh, languages that, uh, that, that are memory safe. And again, you see what's going on here. Government are urging systems to be, have built into them what amount to uh, privacy protections. Uh, Google and Microsoft, for example, say that about 70% of the security issues they face in, in their code are memory related. So Seems like a very good idea to build to what the NSA in the United States is urging all developers to look at. Let's go down to the land of Oz, Australia. Uh, reported recently a 13% increase in cybercrime versus the prior year. So ransomware being the worst type of cybercrime on the rise. And so you see also in Australia a new law for, quote, serious or repeated, close quote, uh, business offenders uh, that can face a 50 million Australian dollar fine uh, far beyond the relatively nominal uh, fines that one sees in Australia, which basically takes a, an approach of encouraging businesses to shape up rather than just punishing uh, people. 
But if you're repeated and serious, you could face now a very substantial fine in Australia, whether or not you're in Australia. The European Parliament approved, and then the Council of Europe adopted in November, the NIS2 Directive. Now, a directive in the EU is not law, but it basically is an effort by the European Union system to require member states to adopt laws. A little different from a GDPR. That's where GDPR started out as a directive. But then it became an outright law by being a binding regulation. But here you have the Council of Europe requiring member states within 21 months to introduce and adopt, ultimately, legislation. What's it deal with? Well, it deals with the cybersecurity of operators of essential services and digital service providers. So once again, we see here a government getting away from the approach of just fining people who businesses uh, who suffer a data breach and say, naughty, naughty, and you know, shape up. It's really saying, no, you have to build into your systems in advance, uh, whether or not you have a data breach later, uh, things that are, are cyber secure, far more cyber secure. Now, one immediately has to ask, cybersecurity, uh, it's kind of like the arms race, isn't it? Uh, the hackers get better, and so does the defenses. So the challenge when you do this is what do best practices mean one year? And it may mean something quite different the next year. But you can see government getting into the uh, uh, act here throughout Europe, not only of having standards under GDPR, laws under GDPR, but requiring businesses to change their underlying treatment of IT and OT systems. India. Uh, India was predicted to have adopted a digital personal data protection bill uh, months ago, and then it was withdrawn under pressure from business and, and other uh, uh, advocates. And it's now reintroduced a new draft of the digital personal data protection bill. Now, we're going to cover that in, in a podcast in the next couple of weeks. But this is a very interesting, different approach uh, within India, uh, quite different from the EU approach or the U.S. Uh, approach or non-approach, some people would say. South Korea uh, is in the news. South Korea, why? Well, the U.K. has just deemed South Korea an adequate protector of personal data. And this is the U.K. taking a separate approach from the EU's approach of pretty strict uh, rules on whether you're an adequate jurisdiction for privacy uh, protection from the EU's standpoint of South Korea is not, but the UK has now said, yes, you can have a, a free flow of, of data back and forth between South Korea and the UK because it's good enough from a UK perspective. Uh, this is Brexit applying to data privacy. South Dakota, oh my goodness, South Dakota's in the news, why? Well, the South Dakota government has now banned TikTok from being used on any state-owned devices or by uh, state personnel in their state activities. What's going on here? Well, under the, the Trump administration at one point had basically tried to force TikTok to sell U.S. operations to U.S. providers who would then uh, not be subject to the accusation that TikTok information that's gathered is really funneled into uh, to the government of the People's Republic of China with all the risks that entails from a U.S. national security perspective. 
that got set aside by by the court. The Biden administration has not tried such a ban, but it continues to look into uh, the security implications of TikTok, which ultimately is owned by a, a company uh, in China. Uh, and here you have the South Dakota governor getting into the act on a state level, really beginning to involve in foreign relations involving technology. Quite interesting. Now, this is partly political, partly a serious question. The mere fact that a company as popular as TikTok, used by as many people as it is, whether that risks their personal data then being shared ultimately with the Chinese government and perhaps could be used against the interests of the United States. Finally, one a development, more of a long-term thing, but again, emphasizing what's really going on in the data privacy and security space, the Department of, Devel of uh, Defense of the United States has announced a five-year roadmap for the cyber protect cybersecurity, for the protection of defense uh, matters, including, of course, those of contractors to the Department of Defense. And what's the roadmap heading towards? What's the destination? Well, it's the world of zero trust. Now, without getting to all the details of that, what's the meaning here? The meaning is we want IT infrastructure and OT infrastructure not to depend on uh, phishing attacks on individuals who make a mistake when they click on something. We want the infrastructure, the systems, the, uh, the way information is traded digitally and exchanged uh, to, to be designed really with privacy as a central feature in its design and rollout. And that should ensure far fewer data breaches and, and far, give far more assurance to both business and, uh, and consumers, all of us, that things that we really want to keep private are kept private. And this should cut down in time a risk to national security, which is of course why the Department of Defense is taking this very aggressive long-term approach, can't do it overnight, but you can do it over time, as compared with the private sector, and frankly, compared with the continuing absence of a federal, U.S. federal law that is comprehensive uh, in its privacy reach. Well, that's enough for November. We'll see what happens in December in the next monthly podcast. We'll try to take a look at the year in review. Watch for that in January. And the next uh, podcast or two will deal with the Indian approach, as promised. As always, I'll close by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you. <laughs>